I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited to be back here. And I mean, I guess I just have one question. Where the fuck have you been? <laughs> Where have I been? This is both of our faults for sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, this is uh, the longest we have gone without yeah, we, podcasting. I'm, I'm pretty sure we just went a month. I'm pretty sure that yeah. we recorded our Halloween episode, uh, Halloween Kills, I believe was on October 25th. And as we sit here tonight, it is Wednesday, November, I'm sorry, two, no, Wednesday, November 24th, the night before Thanksgiving. So yeah, it's, it has been, uh, it's been a month, which fucking blows. Yeah. Well, I mean, you had to go and grow up and have kids and jobs and stuff like that. Uh, I and- did. That's true. That's true. And, uh, and since we last spoke, I, I got reelected. No, it, you, know, you know, there was a, there was an election day in there. Yeah. I, I don't think I had an opportunity to officially congratulate you. That's amazing. I think I Thank saw you. it not even on your page, but maybe your, your wife's Facebook page or something. I didn't, uh, I didn't see any self-celebratory uh, posts that I noticed, but uh, that's awesome news, man. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. I, you know, yeah, Supreme chancellor, a, right? That's the, right. Uh, that's exactly right. Yeah. Got exactly. it. Of Twinsburg. <laughs> yes. It's exactly right. No, I, I, I didn't do any, I didn't do any gloating because quite frankly, I was unopposed. <laughs> and so it was a really, it was a really easy election <laughs> to win. If I, oh, uh, well, shit, I should, I would have run yeah. if I had any gumption. I suppose that means I'm doing a halfway decent job in, in that, you know, if, if nobody's going to come against me that I'm doing, you know, I'm doing, or I'm, I'm not doing a terrible job. How about that? <laughs> if you lost against nobody, then I would, <laughs> I would walk away with my tail between my legs. If I were you. I, ironically enough, last night, it's funny you say that I was watching uh, Brewster's Millions and which oh, of course, great movie. Which, it's a great movie and holds up really well. And yes. of course the, the plot line of that movie is, is uh, Monty Brewster as part of his shenanigans he he comes up with this this campaign slogan of none of the above he wants he wants people to vote for nobody in the election again if you haven't seen that movie you need to stop listening to this podcast and go and go let's watch that movie it's awesome yeah it's fantastic i just remember wishing that i had a scenario where i was given 30 million dollars it was at 30 million dollars he had to spend 30 million dollars in 30 days and if he did he got 300 million dollars 300 million yes and he like and, bought the uh, cubs or some shit like that right yeah <laughs> yeah he had, yeah it was, it was it's got a great cast john candy is his buddy in it and, and oh, uh, yeah it's, it's just it's just it's a really good movie. And, it, and again it holds up really well for sure so um yeah what what else is you got uh, you got big plans for thanksgiving uh, you know, we're staying local this year. Nothing crazy. Yeah. Just going to go over to some family's house and uh, get drunk on tryptophan and other things and watch some football. Of course, the Cowboys and the uh, the Lions. Those are the two teams, right, that play every Thanksgiving, I, I believe. Think that, yeah, I think they play every Thanksgiving. Yep. So I'll be looking forward to that, but nothing crazy. I mean, I, I sort of predicted this weekend is going to go really fast. Like it's not you're going to blink and it's going to be Monday already. So but that's good. It's all it's all good stuff. What about what about you guys? Uh, yeah, we we head over to my to my parents' house and my family and my brother's family and uh, and then my in laws go over. So we go and 
and we do we do three turkeys and so we do, we'll do um, probably a 12 or 14 pounder in the smoker and then we'll do another 14 or 16 pounds in the fryer and then we'll do nice. 22 or 26 pounds in the oven and we just we make enough where everybody can have leftovers and this way we you know we just eat once and we get together and we as long as we don't talk politics we're okay oh my god <laughs> yeah that is that is equally challenging on our side and in, in this family there's usually very opposed political views that are shared and uh, a lot of heated arguments and that's about the time where i excuse myself and uh Go take a drink, right? Go take a three hour shit or go pour a drink or whatever the case may be. But no, it's all good. But yeah, it's this, these kind of gatherings are ripe for such conversations. Yes, for sure. But, but Um, hey, I feel like before we kind of get moving with this, I feel like I need to take a little bit of a step back because I re listened, as as I know that you did, to our last podcast, which was the review for Halloween Kills. And I got to say, I was really excited about that. If I could, uh, be really uh, snobbish and pat pat this podcast on the back for a second. Like I had a great time with that. And I think we really kicked ass on that podcast. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was really a great experience to be able to review a brand new movie after having watched it a couple of times and taking notes and really observing it. And I was really psyched that we were both on the same page about that movie, because I feel like there's going to be a lot of people that came away from that with different experiences and uh, I, I don't know. I really enjoyed that. That might be one of the more enjoyable podcasts I think that we've done so far. Yeah, you know, I, it was funny. Yes, I, and I did listen listen to it as well. Um, I, I really think, and I agree with everything that you just said there. I, I think, quite frankly, that the kind of really cool part about that was it was a brand new movie, but it was also a movie that we could watch on Peacock, right? And so go go back and, and rewatch yeah. it multiple times, you know, without actually having to pay multiple times and going to the theater and this, that, and the other thing. And you, if I remember correctly, you even had both experiences, right? So you saw it once in the theater and then you got to come home and watch it on Peacock as well, which I think is super cool. Yeah, absolutely. It was really important <laughs> for me personally to see this movie in the theater. Um, any movie that I or any franchise or any movie that I really like or respect, I, I, you know, I tried to take in the entire experience as it was meant to be. And so I did see it in the theater, but it was really nice to be able to come home and watch it on Peacock as well. Because I think as we talked about before, I can't sit through a movie the first time and, and really understand everything that happened and be able to give a thorough review. Like I have to watch it a couple of times. And so to be able to go to the theater and then come home and, and rewatch it and watch it with more of a, a critical eye was a really great experience. And it really helped prepare us for, I think, what was a, a really good podcast. So yeah, and, and I think, you know, not to retread all that stuff, but I think we both really liked that movie. And, and I know from my perspective, it was very encouraging to see a sequel to a movie that I was really excited about. And, and give me a little bit of fire, which kind of ties n- nicely into where I think we're going with this, which is you and I both uh, went to the theater to see the new Ghostbusters Afterlife movie. And, and that's what I'm excited. You know, w- this isn't going to be a deep dive review because I don't remember anything that happened in that movie or, you know, of course I do, but not I didn't jot it down scene for scene. I didn't have an opportunity to see it a second time. So I'm just kind of, you know, trying to recall some of the things that happened. But 
you know, I think that's one of the things that I was really excited to talk about today and, and the conversations that I've had with my friends so far uh, about, you know, what that experience was like and, and how they felt about this movie. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, um, I, I won't bury the lead at all. I loved Ghostbusters Afterlife. I, I loved it. And I think I probably in the, in the brief, very brief conversation that you and I had, or I think maybe I liked it a little bit more than you did. And in fact, I, I tweeted when I walked out of the theater, I, I, something to the effect of, you know, I just I just laughed and cried and thoroughly enjoyed my way through the new Ghostbusters movie. I, I really wasn't quite sure what to expect from that movie. I was blown away, especially the way they, and I'm sure we'll get into it, especially the way they handled certain aspects of that movie, which I think they could have really, really fumbled and they didn't. They, they handled it with some really nice, caring kid gloves and i thought they just knocked it out of the park I, i'm talking specifically about the way they they handle harold ramus I, sure was, sure it, it was a it was amazing and i can't think of a better way they could have done that so let's let's just set the stage right here for anybody who is listening and let's just let's just make the official spoiler alert and let's talk about this movie you know to the best that we can both recollect everything and tell me a little bit more about you know what specifically you liked about how they handled that character and how they did that. Sorry, I, I appreciate the spoiler alert up top. That was I, I should have done that before I even mentioned mentioned well, Harold. We hadn't we hadn't well, but we hadn't spoiled anything really to that point. So right. So so yeah, basically the entire movie revolves around uh, what what we come to find out is Harold Ramis's or Egon Spengler, his grandchildren. So his daughter and his grandchildren they have. Uh, he was estranged from his from his daughter, and we don't really ever quite well. I guess we do, we, we, but from the majority of the movie, we don't really know why. And we're we're hearing everything through her point of view and and her recollection. Basically, he dies at the beginning of the movie, which, candidly, I wasn't. I guess I just assumed that he would have been dead for several years going into this movie, but they did. Yeah. They actually showed him die. Agreed. Um, yeah. Which, you know, again, you really didn't know it was him, but you very quickly learned that, that that's who it was. And, and really, he, the, the character of Egon, with the exception of his ghost or him doing ghostly things, you don't really see him until the, really the, the final act. But when you, when you finally do see him, I teared up. I actually teared up the, the way they did it. And, and again, we can talk about kind of that, that finale. There's, there's, there's a bunch of other things to kind of get there. But, but once you see the apparition of Egon, I was blown away. And I, it, was, it looked like him. It was him. It, I mean, it was the greatest way you could represent a, a character and, a, and an actor that isn't alive. I think it was much better than, you know, any of the way that they've done, you know, de-aging characters or or even the way they did Donald Pleasance in the Halloween movie I think this was just a, a, a better way of doing it and I, I just I was blown away with it yeah I would agree I, I think I you know I did have you know spoiler alert for my review I did have some problems with the movie but I none of those the way they handled Egon Spangler or the character anything that they did all of that stuff was really interesting and I I like that they started out with kind of telling that story about him and what he had been doing and giving us an idea. They could have started this movie just saying, oh yeah, Egon died 20 years ago. 
but they didn't do that. They actually took the opportunity to tell the story about what happened to him and actually show the story, not just tell it, which I thought was really good. And then at the end, the way that that all came together, it was really, really sweet. And I don't have any concerns or issues with the way that they handled anything with, with Egon. There were a lot of nice little nods to his character throughout the movie and, and all kinds of callbacks to the original movie that I thought worked really well. But yeah, I mean, to me, there were a lot of things that worked really well for this movie. I, I guess, first of all, I think the cast was great. I think the the girl that they got to play Egon's granddaughter was fantastic. I thought she was great. She sold me on every moment that she had in that movie. I thought that Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd was really good in that movie. It became very obvious at the time that the third act started that he was sort of the new Rick Moranis, you know, like yeah. it, they, they very much forced him into that role and, and took it from sort of general comedy to really kind of goofy really quick, I thought. But I liked him in that role. I thought he he added the necessary levity in, in that first and second act that we really needed because the story was a little bit of a longer story, right? Like it took some time to develop and we kind of kept waiting for something to happen. And it, it, that was maybe one of my first problems with the movie is that it, it, it was kind of slow for me. Mm-hmm. It, it took a little while to get going. It was very intriguing and I really wanted to know where things were going and, and why Egon was estranged from his family and why he was known as the dirt farmer and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, eventually we got to a point where, you know, we figured all that out, but it, it took a long time to get there. So, but, uh, and Finn Wolford, I think is his name, the the kid from Stranger Things. I thought he did really good. Uh, I like the young actors, even the, uh, the kid podcast, I think was his name. I yeah. thought he was, he was great. Like I usually don't, I, I sort of eye roll and groan at some of the comedic sidekicks, but I thought he complimented that group really well. And it made all their adventures along the way as we worked our way toward the end of the movie, you know, really fun, I thought. Yeah, you know, th- th- there there was very, very, actually very, very little of the Ghostbusters in this movie. V- very little. And, and I didn't really even pick up on that until I was done watching it and kind of was walking away. And I guess to your point earlier, the, the, the rest of the cast, the, the three kids and Paul Rudd and, 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 and the gal, I can't remember what her name is. Harry Coon, Egon's, I believe is the actress. Yeah, e, yeah. Egon's daughter. They're really good. Right. And, and so they're, they're so good that you don't really you don't really miss the fact that the Ghostbusters aren't in really they're because they're really not. They're really not in this movie. No, this movie is uh, not about the Ghostbusters. It, no, it is not. I mean, they're, they're there, but no, it's it, it is framed around Egon. Mm-hmm. But, I th- you know, Ray gets two scenes, one scene and and Pete Bankman get just kind of shows up at the end. And so does um, and so does Winston. So yeah. it's you know, they're they're really not in this movie at all. And again, it's it's still a really strong movie. I'll be honest with you, it took me it took me quite a while to kind of figure out that, you know, one of the knocks that I've read about this movie and I and I would I would actually agree with it, but it is the, the knock is it's well, they're just kind of retelling Ghostbusters a la the same way that The Force Awakens retells Star Wars. Yeah. And and that's not and that's not untrue. A lot of those beats 
are very, very similar, you know, to your point. I mean, once they, they turn the Paul Rudd character really into Rick Moranis, I mean, those sure. beats, once you get there, yeah, it's really, really obvious. And I guess I was, I was a little bit bummed out that they, they kind of redid Gozer and they redid the key master and the gatekeeper, like literally, you know, almost shot for shot. Yeah. But I was so invested and I was having so much fun up until that. And I, and I was hoping and, and they did. I was hoping that I was going to get this Ghostbuster payoff at the end that I was able to allow that that kind of one down spot to to slide. I was OK with it. OK. And that's interesting. So, I mean, I again, the, the first act of the movie, you know, most most stories, most movies have like three acts. Right. And, and for this one, it kind of seemed like the first act to me just kind of really carried on to the point where I'm not even really sure where the second act started and where the third act began. It, it seemed like to me almost maybe one really long first act. And then we just sort of found ourselves in the third act and the storytellers were like, oh, shit, we got to finish this up. And then it really rapidly progressed at that point. But I will say that First of all, I guess to go back to your comment about, you know, sort of retelling Ghostbusters and kind of recapturing or reimagining that same story. Yeah, I mean, you can accuse them of not being very creative with that, but they did it with Force Awakens. They did it with Jurassic World. They've done it. They may end up doing it with this new Matrix movie. You know, we don't know yet, but that's Mm -hmm. that's a formula that has proven to be successful. Yeah, uh, at least financially, maybe not critically, but certainly financially. And so I don't have any concerns with that. But it did get to a point where it was, it almost sort of reminded me of the Nightmare on Elm Street remake in 2010 with Jackie Earl Haley, where they were, they were basically almost recreating shot for shot scenes from the first movie. And I don't have any issues at all with them bringing back Gozer. I thought that was super intriguing. But when they have her sort of strutting around on the same pyramid with the same two dogs and all that. It was kind of like, ah, I feel like we really could have expanded on the mythology rather than trying to remind people what everybody really liked about the first movie. I don't think we needed that reminder. But that being said, I like you, like I was forgiving everything for that because the payoff for me the entire time from the minute the opening credits rolled was I want to see the original Ghostbusters. I want to see how they bring these, you know, the characters that we all know and love into this new movie. And I got to be honest, that that was the biggest fault for me. That was the biggest disappointment because I felt like they just kind of rolled them out of bed and threw their uniforms on. And it, it just didn't feel like they were really included in the story. It, it, they seemed like kind of glorified cameos to me and they didn't really do anything. I think they they handled Harold Ramis's character as Egon way more respectively than they did the living characters of of Pete Fankman and Winston Zedmore and Ray Stance. Uh, they gave Ray like one extra scene, which even to me was I don't know, like I felt like it was a little cringeworthy because it, it to me that seemed seemed like they said, okay, Dan, we're gonna let you write this dialogue yourself and just kind of run with it, and it, it felt very similar to me, like Karen Allen's first scene in The Crystal Skull in Indiana Jones. And it seemed like actors who had not been acting for a while that just seemed too old to be doing what they were doing. And it was just, it was so sad to me. It didn't ruin the movie for me, but to be 100% transparent, like that was the thing I was waiting for. Like I wanted to see the Ghostbusters kick some ass and I wanted to see them more intertwined in the story 
you know, say what you will about the Star Wars sequels, like they really worked hard to get Han Solo a part of that story and Luke Skywalker and, you know, Princess Leia, like they were all parts of those stories. Now, granted, those were three movies. This is one, but it was like a five minute cameo at the end of the movie. And it just, it really bummed me out. Like, I really wish that they would have had something to do with the actual story and not just showed up with a few one-liners at the end. Yeah, I, and I can, and that is a that's a very valid criticism, especially especially with Venkman. Candidly, the the impression that I get was that Billy Bill Murray didn't really want to be there. You know, what I mean, he he was just yeah. kind of like he was along for the ride. At least Dan Aykroyd got the scene, and I think you're probably right. That sounds like something that he would he would have written. That you know, I, I'm pretty sure he's very big into the occult and very big into kind of all that stuff. So absolutely. Yeah. So, so that, that, that sounded, and you could tell, right. You could tell as he was delivering those lines, the best scene that Winston got was, was the, the post credit scene, you know, and really, so the one, the one scene that we get with the Ghostbusters is the showdown with Gozer. Right. Yeah. And it, and, right. and they, and they, and they read, they redo a lot of those beats they do the, you know, are you a god? And of course, this time Ray says yes, and and you know those kind of things, which again is is a little cringeworthy. But at, at that point, I don't know. At that at that point, I was having so much fun that I was willing to let it slide. Good, um, that's awesome. Know, yeah, that's the intention, you know. right? Yeah, right. And, and now I will say that I don't know how well that would have played to somebody that isn't in their mid forties and has this kind of love and admiration for these, for these, for this franchise. Right. I went to on opening day, uh, my middle son had the day off school. So I took him to school. I took him with me. He loved it, but he loved it for different reasons than I did. Right. Really? Uh, yeah. He, what he really loved about it was there was, and, and he's, he's not wrong. There's one scene in the beginning in that act one that is almost like a chase. Yeah, no, it's a chase scene. It's where the, the the kids are chasing this ghost through town, and you get to see Ecto, and you get to see some new. That was new a great things. scene. It was amazing, and and my son turned to me and he and he goes, "That was the best chase scene I've ever seen." And he wasn't just talking about this movie. He was, you know, and so he was really really pumped up yeah. about about that particular scene. Uh, and again, he's not wrong. It was it was awesome the way they did it. That was really good, actually. But I, I'm, I'll take a controversial stance and say, maybe they didn't even really need the brother in that movie. You know, Finn Wolford's character. Like, I, I don't know if they even really needed him. I don't think that his character added that much. Maybe if they would have taken him out, they could have uh, cut the movie a little bit from a timing perspective because it was a, I think it was a two-hour movie, and they could have focused more on trying to make sense some of the other characters i don't know i mean i agree with, with everything you're saying in regards to bill murray in terms of he was actually the worst or maybe not the worst he was the most disappointing like pete venkman mm -hmm. is the leader of the ghostbusters i mean there's there's no doubt about that and he his everything that he was given to deliver just felt really flat to me and i i think that's probably because he just didn't he doesn't have the reverence for it that someone like Dan Aykroyd does. I mean, like Dan Aykroyd, when he dies, I think he's going to be very happy to be known as Ray Stance from the Ghostbusters more so than anything else he ever touched. And granted, he wrote it too. So, uh, or he, he co-wrote it with, I think, uh, Harold Ramis. 
so so there's that piece of it but i i think bill murray was just sort of very blase about it somebody talked him into it and that's great because the movie wouldn't be complete if it didn't have him in it but at the same time i don't know that his presence in what we saw really really lended itself to any value no I, I yeah I, I yeah i would i would agree with that and and i would also agree with your with your statement about they they could have cut the brother I don't think that's a controversial statement at all. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. If that dude wasn't in that movie, it doesn't change the movie at all. I mean, I mean I, you needed somebody to drive, I guess, is, was the problem. Okay. I get, yeah, I guess. I mean, so, so from that perspective, yeah, I suppose, but I mean, it, it would be a different dynamic if it weren't all kids, right? Because this movie is clearly about children or not children, but like, you know, kids who are trying to, who are going through this, this anxiety with their families. And, you know, like the mom picks them up and moves them because she has no more money and they go off in the middle of nowhere. So it has to be a kid's story. And I, I understand, and I respect that. So maybe, maybe I even take back what I said, like the brother needed to be there, but I think maybe they needed to do more to make us care about him rather than just him trying to find a job and, and, you know, get a girl to like him and things like that. Like it, it, it could have been more, I think than that, but um I don't know. I mean, these are all very nitpicky gripes. I think maybe my biggest takeaway from this movie is it was not nearly as fun as I had hoped it would be. Like, I think that's interesting. I would potentially, and and this is, I, I'd have to really think about this before I commit to this idea, but I would almost watch Ghostbusters 2 before I would watch Afterlife again, hmm. just because Ghostbusters 2, as much as I do think it's kind of a terrible movie, it's fun. It's got a lot of great one-liners. They do capture at least the spirit of the first movie, if not being a, a pretty lame, you know, sequel and, and story. But there are a lot of things about that movie that still make me smile and make me laugh. This movie was good, but I don't feel like it was as fun as the last movie. Hmm. Now, That's interesting. I might be very wrong about that, but I think if you think of it purely from a rewatchability standpoint, I wonder if you enjoy the ride the second time through as much as you did the first time, because you talked a lot about the feels and the emotions and all that. Does all that stuff still have the same weight the second time through? Probably not. Maybe. I mean, maybe I'm not trying to talk you out of it. No, no, no. I would say probably not, but... I get those same feels and emotions and fun, fun ride and rewatchability when I rewatch Force Awakens. And, and that's a lot of, of what I get I do from too. that movie too. So, I, I do so I too. I've, I've but I think they so I did yeah. they did a better service to the characters that we know and love. You're, you're right. They did. You're and right. that's why The Force Awakens, in my opinion, is more rewatchable, even though it's a direct fucking lift of A New Hope, right? It's the same movie. You're right. Yeah. They even go on sand planets and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So it's did you did you stick around and watch and maybe you didn't? Did you stick around and watch the, the post-credit scenes in Ghostbusters? I did, thanks to you. I would okay. not have I would not have stayed if it weren't for you because I wouldn't have anticipated that would be a movie that would have not only one but two post-credit yeah. scenes. So I so I think so we mentioned Bill Murray. I think Bill Murray's best work in that movie was that post-credit scene. And I think a lot of it has to do with Sigourney Weaver. I think a lot of it has to do with that particular like that's the 
that's the version of Pete Venkman that I think of, right? The kind of the kind of messing around, irreverent, you know, th that one. And he's in, and the character of Pete Venkman is clearly in his element when he's with with Dana. You know, I'm sure that was a one day thing. They were probably on the set for a couple hours to, you know, at yeah. most to film that. And it was probably a lot of, oh my God, you know, Sigourney, I haven't seen you in forever and you look great and blah, blah, blah. Let's do this for the fans and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I think that came through in in Bill Murray's performance there. It was a bummer that that his best work and Winston's best work in that movie are post-credit scenes. Yeah, um, I would agree because I think, I'll be honest, like when I saw that, my first thought was, well, that was throwaway, which is why it was an after credit scene, right? It, it means nothing to the scope right. of this movie whatsoever. Right. But my first, but my second thought was, man, I wish we had more Sigourney Weaver. I really, yeah. really do. Like the minute I saw her face, I'm like, oh my God, like that is what we're, that is one of the things we're missing out of this movie is, is her character. And I think if they, gosh, I just wish they would have taken more time to try to mix all of that together because it's, it was cute, right? Like they, they right. did the, the reversal of the, the scene in the first movie where he's, uh, you know, zapping the nerdy guy and, and letting the, the cute girl off the hook with the, uh, with the cards and everything. But the scene doesn't that as, even as a post-credit scene, it makes no sense whatsoever. It's just right. sort of like a, a, an Easter egg. It's a deleted, it's not even really a deleted scene. Cause why would anybody it's, film that? It's it didn't make any fans, sense. It's a hundred percent fan service. Yes. That's all it is. Yeah. And I, I'm sort of, I waver on fan service because I think fan service is a good thing. Like a lot of people criticize the star Wars, the, the sequel trilogy for being too much fan service, but I loved all the fan service they gave us in that. I loved all of it. They weren't the, the best movies, but I love the fan service aspect, but, but this one felt more like pandering. It's more like, Oh, well, we got to get something with Bill Murray. We got to get something with Sigourney Weaver. And it just didn't, I don't know. It just didn't hit, but I looked at Sigourney Weaver. I'm like, Oh my God, where has Sigourney Weaver been? Like, I, you know, it's not been that long since I've seen an Aliens movie and she was fucking awesome in those movies. Like yeah. she's an unbelievable actress. I think she's and, really good and has a lot of presence. And why the hell didn't, why the hell did Annie Potts have more screen time in that movie than Sigourney Weaver? I, I agree. And, and Sigourney looked, I mean, she looked great. I mean, yeah. she, I mean, she, she aged probably better than any of them. Um, I, certainly I better than Bill Murray. Certainly better than Bill Murray. I was bummed that we didn't get any Rick Moranis at all. Like he wasn't I, even. Yeah, but know. we knew it though. We knew yeah. we weren't going to get that yeah. because he's he's basically retired from acting at this point. Right. So so again, I I do want to I want to circle back around to the to the Harold scenes to the to the yeah. Egon scenes. Yeah, please. Um, you know, so so I, I did get a very a very big. Uh, Rise of Skywalker vibe, right? So if you have, if you haven't yes. seen it, I mean, it, it, I mean, like, I, I can't be the only one that got that vibe, right? So if you haven't seen the movie, Gozer is um, is kind of it's the final showdown between Gozer and the Ghostbusters. She defeats the Ghostbusters, or you know, kind of set, puts them on their heels, and then all of a sudden, the granddaughter, Egon's granddaughter, shows up with a with a with a proton pack. And she kind of locks um, beams or whatever, you know, with with the proton pack and Gozer's thing. And it's very reminiscent of the Emperor and and Ray when they're at the very last scene where Ray goes, you know, and I am all the Jedi. And I just I was waiting for her to say, and I'm all the Ghostbusters. And, she, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm I'm glad she didn't. But 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 really, the reason that really kind of hit that home was 
so she is the, the I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. The, the, the granddaughter is holding on and Gozer is starting to kind of overpower her. And you see Egon's hand come and, and grab onto the proton pack and to help his granddaughter. And it's the first time you have, you see the visualization of Egon as a ghost. And then he stands and he stands with the other three Ghostbusters and the four of them then, uh, and it's just, it's, it was, it was awesome. The way the other three Ghostbusters kind of looked at him. And I think it was, I think it was Winston kind of looked over his, kind of gave him the little side eye and was, you know, was kind of doing the, what, what the hell's going on kind of thing. But it was, yeah. it was just awesome. And I, and I had, I had tears of joy and he, he never spoke and I'm glad he didn't. He never spoke, but he was able to kind of embrace with his his granddaughter. He was able to embrace with his daughter. I thought they gave a lot of really nice closure to her story. Her story wasn't great in this movie. That I'm talking about the daughter, yeah. um, but I was glad that it got some closure there. The one question that I had was, and and I don't know if you thought about this. So Egon's house, basically he was making this field that was full of ghost traps. And essentially what he had done was made a, a ginormous ghost trap to ultimately capture Gozier and, and, and the, and the ghosts. Sure. So when they, when they turned that on and sucked Gozer in and all the dogs and everything else, why didn't Egon's ghost get sucked into that? I don't <laughs> No, I didn't think of that. That's, um, Probably because of uh, convenience, I, I would have to yeah, say. I guess, yeah. yeah, but that was, you know, but uh, but again, a super nitpicky thing. And then I, by that point, I had tears kind of streaming down my face and I was all in and I just, I didn't even care. So that's awesome. I, I, I wished I would have been emotionally as invested as you were. I don't think I was just because I, I feel like I would, Again, I, I didn't dislike the movie, but I was let down enough by the mm -hmm. way they handled the existing living Ghostbusters that it made it hard to really get, you know, wrapped up in the moment of what was happening. But what but I agree, like when I saw the apparition of Egon standing next to the three living Ghostbusters and they were all firing their proton packs like that was a huge moment it was super emotional it was really great and and the side eyes and all that stuff like i i recognized that too and it was really really great but at that point it was like uh, we're two hours into this movie like that's right that's all this? they're that's all they're giving us like could right. they have not have done something else along the way you know again i i want to stress like i think it was a good movie but to your point earlier, which I think is a really, really good one, if you weren't as invested in the original Ghostbusters, would this movie matter to you? And and Probably I can not. maybe answer that with the fact yeah. that my wife, who was with me when I watched this movie, nearly passed out multiple times. Uh, you know, it was we, we saw a later show, to be fair. But, you know, she doesn't have the same sort of reverence for the first movie as I do or or you do, for that matter. And, I, you know, I think she was being a good sport about it but when it was time to go like it was you know she was ready I, I don't think she really understood or appreciated what was going on in that and you know I think that kind of says a lot about what the story is mm -hmm. you know in its own little bubble well I, yeah and and you know what it's it's funny um if you have never seen the original Ghostbusters movie it would be really a disjointed third act of that movie yeah, because 
because these four dudes just show up and it's like, well, who, who are they? I mean, they, they've kind of told the story a little bit. They've done some well, YouTube clips and those kind of things. Yeah. But if you didn't have that context, it would, it would be really disjointed. Well, to be fair, this is a sequel. So yeah, that's like, true. like yeah. most sequels, like you're not expected to understand or enjoy this kind of storytelling. If you haven't had the context to build up to this point it's different from the marvel movies which is just like this universe where there's you know one continuing story you know revolving around multiple characters so so yeah i mean i can't totally fault you know my wife for not loving the movie but at the same time it's like she didn't get the feels at the end that we all got because we grew up with that stuff. I mean, to be fair, she was born the year that movie came out uh, right. in oh, 1984. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So like, she doesn't have the feels like, but you know, I'd seen that movie a million times, almost literally by the time I met her. So, um, so it was different, but I mean, yeah, I guess maybe just to recap overall, I, I, I wasn't disappointed. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe I was a little bit disappointed, but I didn't not have a good time. I think the thing that sort of leaves me a little bit sour is that I just don't know if I would enjoy another viewing nearly as much as I did this first one. Mm -hmm. And the, the reason I enjoyed the first one is because I was hanging on the edge of my seat, trying to figure out when I was going to see Pete Vankman and Ray Stance and, and Winston again. No, that's, uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that that's fair. Um, I think, like I said, I, I, I enjoyed it a little bit more than you did it certainly has its faults and I would agree that on subsequent viewings, it, it probably is not going to hold up as well as say the force awakens does, because I think you're right. I think that movie force awakens does a much better job, not only introducing new characters, but also giving us more, more fan service for lack of a better term throughout the movie to yeah. kind of keep us going. Yeah, no, I agree. So back to sort of the beginning of this conversation, kind of before we started, do you feel like, this is a loaded question because I know how I feel, but do you feel that Halloween kills sort of set you up in a way to say, I'm really excited about Ghostbusters because Halloween kills was a sequel that we both really enjoyed. And it gave me a little inspiration that, Hey, they can make good sequels again, or they can make, okay. First of all, before you answer that, I think we need to come up with a word or a, or a phrase or, or some sort of terminology that defines the the movie like like indiana jones and the crystal skull or the halloween 2018 movie like those were sequels but they were sequels for movies that happened like way 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 long ago so what do we call movies that are sequels of of movies that happened like 20 years in the past because that's almost a whole different breed of movie you know it's, it's almost like a different type you know what it, it is, but it is also becoming a very common type of yes. these days, right? Which I mean, is why we need a, a categorization yeah. for yeah. it, right? So like when I saw Halloween Kills, I'm like, it restored my faith because I hadn't seen a lot of movies. And like Star Wars kind of got me really hyped with Force Awakens and then it shit all over my face with The Last Jedi. And then Rise of Skywalker <laughs> was just sort of, uh, yeah, well, yeah, here you go. Here's... Right. Well, whatever like it, it it did some good stuff it, it was sort of obnoxious it was whatever but halloween kills really kind of made me feel like oh we can do this like this we can make a good sequel of a sequel and and it can be entertaining and then i 
sort of took that momentum into this Ghostbusters movie, hoping that it would do the same. And, and the initial reviews for this movie were extremely positive. And so I, I went into it with really high hopes. And then I kind of came out with it thinking, okay, eh. but we've got sequels coming, right? We've got the, another Spider-Man in December. We've got the, the fourth Matrix movie that's coming out in December as well. Like, where do you, where do you stand with that? Does that impact you the same way it does me? I have never, I never thought about it in that context. I think you're right though, in that it would be, it would be good to come up with, with, um, with some sort of terminology, what we, cause so yes, they are sequels, but they're, but they're sequels that, you know, there's been a boatload of time, right? Yeah. Maybe it's maybe, and, and, and here's what I think it is quite frankly. I think it is that Hollywood understands that there are certain demographics and certain age people that are willing to still spend money in the theaters. Yeah. And that demographic is us. We are sitting right in the middle of that demographic. It's probably, you know, mid to late 30s to mid to late 50s, right? If I had to, you know, if I had to kind of spitball it. Because younger than that, that's really the digital age. I don't know that they're necessarily as enamored with the movie house experience or the movie theater experience as yeah. we are. Yeah. And they may not have the disposable income that maybe in theory we are supposed to have as, as 40-something-year-old guys or gals. And I, I think, you know, if you if you look at the the movies that are doing this, right, they are they are they are kind of we're big budget, big box office smashes when we were in our teens and twenties. And so it's been, it's been 20 or 30 years. We've gone out to your point. We've had careers, we've had children, we've gotten married, we've got some disposable income. And now Hollywood, I think is making a very concerted effort. And they're saying, Hey, what properties can we go back to? Even if it's 20, 30 years after the fact and reboot them or retell them or sequelize them or what have you, you know, whatever it is. I saw the other day, there's another lethal weapon movie coming out. I, you know, I, I saw a preview yeah. for the next scream movie. I mean, the, these are, you know, and everybody always says, Oh, you know, there's nothing, nothing unique or nothing new in Hollywood or this, that, and the other thing. Well, here's the reality folks. When, when a new movie comes out, nobody goes to see it. No, they don't, people don't support them. The, the yeah. movies that make a boatload of money are things that are sequels and our franchise movies and our tentpole movies. And it's because of, you know, people like us, our age that want to go back and relive when we were dating and we were going to being dropped off at the movies by our, by our parents, that, that holds a lot of nostalgia. And I think that's, that's a part of it. So this is way long. That was a way longer answer than you were looking for. No, no, no. But, but, but what you did is you sort of really triggered a train of thought that I think is really important that we need to call out here. And that is, I kind of disagree with you, I think, but, but sort of agree with you at the same time. So I think what Hollywood is doing with these movies like Ghostbusters Afterlife or Halloween Kills or whatever, is they're preying on us. I do think that we're the target audience, but not because they want us to go see the movies, but they want us to get excited about them and take our children to the movies because they're, assumption or their hopes are that we will get our children turned on to these same franchises 
because they don't they don't care about my money. They care about the money that my kids are going to give them because there's a lot more money to be had there over the next 40 years, right? Or or something along those lines. I don't know if I'm articulating this very well, but but basically like they we're we're like we're the gateway into that, right? We're we're, we're the ones we're the, that are ga- in, we're, the in, we're the gatekeeper and the key master is what Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're indoctrinating our own children. Yeah. And, and and then the younger generations into going to see movies like Ghostbusters. And what's happening, I think the reality of the situation is they're seeing these movies like Ghostbusters and even Star Wars. And they're saying, yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's all right. But who, you know, it's not really a big deal. Uh, but they're counting on us as the 40-year-olds the and the 50-year-olds and the late 30-year-olds to, to really drive up the hype. And, and get the younger generations into the theaters in hopes that they do that. I think the problem is, is that they haven't found a good, they're, they're still trying to find the balance of how to, you know, appease the older generation, but yet hook the younger generation, because it's a really delicate balance. I think if you're talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife, then it's really, you know, like I can understand why people our generation might be a little bit bummed out about that because they didn't they did some level of fan service but they didn't really involve those characters but they they did a lot of stuff with the younger characters which was really good so like my kids and and that generation are going to be interested in that movie but they're only going to be interested in that movie because i told them to be interested in that movie because i'm a ghostbusters fan right so so they're using the property to get us excited so that we get the younger generations excited but if they don't find that balance, then it doesn't work. And I don't know. I actually think Star Wars found a good balance. You know, I was I, just, just going to say, is Star Wars actually they, they weren't great stories, lens, but, but they found the balance, right? They yeah. they but they had three movies to do it. To be fair, so Ghostbusters had one. Halloween, the Halloween movies do have three movies that that they're going to have over that period of time. But it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and, and technically, so does the the Jurassic Park series right so they had jurassic world they had the uh what was the second movie i don't know uh, jurassic something and then this the last one which is getting ready to come out jurassic world dominion or whatever which is going to bring everybody back together the new cast and the old cast you know they're really they're really trying to to merge both of these universes but it, it takes a lot of talent and craftiness to be able to intertwine both worlds and keep everybody interested i i think it would be tough for sure yeah uh, you know it's, does that it's make sense that, am i rambling no, or is that no make sense? no it, it it does it, it totally makes sense and, and and i guess what i was thinking as you were talking was you know what what were the types of movies that that we kind of were going to in our you know mid in our teen years and 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 you know and it, and it was a lot of you know there was a lot of the kind of Schwarzenegger yeah action movies action movies for guys it was action movies it was Batman uh, in 1989 it was it was Die Hard Hard, Lethal Weapon right yeah and and every single one of those franchises had three or four movies over a eight or ten year period with with a relatively similar cast they were buddy cops they were action they were blow them up they were kind of turn your brain off popcorn movies right yeah and then and then you had you had that and then you had horror movies right so you had a, a slew of friday the 13th and halloween and and nightmare on elm street and those kind of things and then you had 
either comedies or romantic comedies, right? You had the police academies, you had, you know, things like Splash and thing and all the rom-com movies, the stupid, <laughs> right? The stupid, you know, the mannequins yeah. of the world and, and like that kind of stuff where, yeah, we make fun of them, but we all know them, right? The Weekend at Bernie's and Weekend at Bernie's 2 and like sure. that kind of stuff. And and I don't, and if you look at, if you look at the the, the movie landscape today, I, I don't know that you have that th- those kind of as defined archetypes of movies, right? You've got you've got superhero movies, right? You got Marvel, and then you've got some other these kind of future sequels, right? Whether they're you know Ghostbusters or I, I don't know, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but that's a long way of saying I think I agree with you, and I think I think Hollywood is still. I think you're right. I think they're still trying to figure out the balance of how much fan service you put in these movies to get you and I to take our kids to the movies. Yeah. And we not only have to get us interested enough and invested enough in spending our money, but we have they have to tell a story that is going to hook our kids for the future as well. Yeah, and, and to be honest with you, I think it's I think it's failing. I don't think mm-hmm. this. I don't think this is working because I, I gotta be honest. I don't see another ghostbusters movie in the future. And of course we'll see more star Wars movies because, you know, no matter how people want to be critical of the sequel trilogy, each one of those made a billion dollars. So there will be more star Wars movies. I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't seen another star Wars movie since then, but you know, those types of properties will continue the ones that are super lucrative mainstays like that. But like Ghostbusters, I I don't know, like it's near and dear to my heart and it will be till the day that I die. But I don't know that I see any more Ghostbusters movies. You know, probably. Yeah, probably. I mean, so I'm looking at Wikipedia right now It has seventy five million dollar budget. And right now it's at sixty eight point five million dollars. I mean, so, yeah, it's it's going to break even. Yeah, it's not going to it's not going to make money. Yeah, but it's but it's not going to be gangbusters, right? It's not going to be it's not going to be 2018 Halloween that made 800 million. Not even no, the, close. The reason this movie got made was because it's been tra- they've been trying to make it for at least two decades at this point. They've been yeah. trying to make Ghostbusters 3 for 20 years. They've made video games, they've made animated shows, they've done all kinds of stuff. They even made that pile of shit 2016 movie which i'm sorry i just i hated that movie i hated everything about it let's not turn this uh podcast into a a review of that movie but (laughs) they've they've tried right because it's been on the edge of making that movie and they finally made it and it was good but it wasn't great i it just didn't i don't think it will be remembered as being great i think it will be remembered as being a, a a sufficient and a nice end and maybe they'll make another movie. I could be wrong about that. I, I, I'm not sure that they will. Maybe it'll come up in some other form, like it could be a Netflix show or it could be, you know, who knows what, what the medium is going to be in the future. But I just, I don't see this as being like, I don't see a lot of people saying, thank God they made this movie and let's go for 20 more years of Ghostbusters. Like, I don't see it. I see this as being the end. I, I'll be honest with you. I, even though I love this movie, I kind of hope it's done. Right. I do too. It would, it would, some things need to end. Yes. And and we need to be okay with that. Yeah. And yeah. And it would, it would be the, it would be, in my opinion, the perfect send off for Harold Ramis, 
it would be the perfect send off for the Ghostbusters as we know them. Yes. And and yes, there was these kind of these after credit scenes that showed Ecto one going back home and this, that, and the other thing. And that's fine. It can end there. Yeah. I don't need a, I don't need a movie with the kids. I don't need a movie with the daughter. I, I Paul Rudd's great, but he's the sexiest man alive. I don't need to see him as a, in a Ghostbusters. <laughs> I just don't. You know. Yeah. I I don't I don't think we're going to to be honest. I mean, if they came back and said they wanted to do another Ghostbusters movie, I don't see Paul Rudd being involved. I, I really don't. And and they could very easily, you know, they could do it. They could make another Ghostbusters movie, but do we do we need one? I don't I don't know. Like maybe it's okay to just say we're done at this point. And then that's a whole nother conversation, maybe another podcast. Like when is it time to say when Indiana Jones, you know, like we got Harrison Ford is going to be like 97 years old when the next movie comes out. And it's like, Oh my God. Like I get that. We're, they want to make money off of these properties, but at what point do we say, God, just let the man go to sleep at this point. I, to answer that question specifically about that franchise specifically, the answer was after Last Crusade. That's when it was yes. time to let it. We should have was, just let it die. We should. That movie was fucking awesome, and it was the best way to let that character and franchise go away. And I, I'm going to make a weird statement here. I actually enjoyed Crystal Skull, but I didn't enjoy it as an Indiana Jones movie. I enjoyed it as kind of a, just kind of a silly you know saturday afternoon you know like one of those kind of movies that you would catch on tbs and you'd fall asleep halfway through and that kind of thing it wasn't a great it it was again it was a silly movie it wasn't it was just i I thought it was a terrible indiana jones entry into into that franchise but again different different podcast well different podcast but i mean we can we can wax philosophical on this for a second i i think that um if it would have ended in 1989 with the last crusade, it would have been the most perfect trilogy ever, arguably one of the most perfect yeah. trilogies ever, because it was brilliant. Uh, I'll go on record in a controversial comment to say um, that was the best movie. The last crusade was the best movie. I think Ra- a lot of people love Raiders and, and I love Raiders and I love Temple of Doom. I love them all, but I mean, there's something about the last crusade top to bottom that works so well as a really great Hollywood popcorn flick. And they just had to bring it back and it really salted the legacy, I think of Indiana Jones. And it wasn't a terrible movie, but if you're watching that through the eyes of you and me and everybody else in there, well, we're in our mid forties now, but we weren't certainly back then. This was what 2007, I think. So, you know, we were still in our thirties this or close to math is hard but you know like it it was painful like some of this movie was painful and i think part of it is that in 1989 i wasn't even in high school yet so i was still able to suspend a lot of disbelief when i'm watching these movies but when i'm seeing uh how old was harrison ford when he did that movie like in his late 60s jumping a, a refrigerator and and a oh, nuclear bomb terrible. goes off. It's terrible. And yeah. he and he and he rolls, uh, you know, five hundred yards, and then just kind of gets out of it. I'm like, what is happening? Like this makes no sense. Like, I get it. Like, there's a lot of stuff that you have to just sort of kind of roll with. But that was painfully hard to just kind of brush off. And 
okay, yeah, sure. We're also talking about the same guy who jumped out of a plane with a with a raft and landed on a mountain on on right. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which is equally as implausible. Although I still maintain that I feel like I don't know, like that that seemed kind of cool, like that that worked for me. But you know, maybe as a grown adult, I just wasn't ready to suspend that disbelief. Maybe. I was, but not for somebody that old. Maybe that was my biggest problem is that he was just too old to be pulling a lot of that stuff off. And and that's why this next movie fucking terrifies me. It scares the hell out of me because I I don't want to be ageist, but God damn. I mean, Han Solo was looking really old like seven years ago in in those movies. And now he's going to be really old. And I can... uh, I, I got to think the only way they're going to do that, he's almost going to be like a bit character, kind of the way the Ghostbusters were in this, right? I don't think Wait. so. I think he's going to be the star. I just, I don't uh, think it's going to be an action be- part. Like he better not be swinging from the rafters with his whip. But I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I will say that I could not, I could suspend the disbelief of almost anything except that an old man can do those things. No. That was. Yeah. That was just too much that I, I couldn't, I just couldn't swallow it. And then you put Karen Allen in there and it's just like, oh my God, this girl hasn't acted in two or three decades at this point. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, this doesn't have to turn into a, uh, you know, chastising the crystal skull, but you know, I, I think it lends itself to a really interesting conversation. Like, should they continue to reboot these franchises? And I know why they do because they want our money and they want our kids money for many, many years to come. But what they don't realize is that they haven't been able to recapture the magic that they did in the eighties. When we first saw Indiana Jones on the screen, I mean, Indiana Jones is an action hero. You can't have an action hero be in his seventies. It doesn't fucking work. No, you're right. It It just, it just doesn't. So just let him, let him sail off into retirement with all his Ark of the Covenant money and, and just be done. Right. Yeah. When is that, when is that movie coming? I don't know. They've delayed it so many times. I want to say 2022 at this point, uh, which is, you know, I, I don't know where they are with filming it, but I think that they have started or maybe will start soon. I, I'm not sure that one. I haven't really followed for reasons. I'm just, I'm too terrified. I just, yeah, I can't. No, I don't, I don't blame you. Harrison Ford. Yeah. He is 79 years old right now. Oh my God. I it's cringeworthy. Like most of my family members haven't lived to that age. So like, I, you know, I, I don't expect anybody to be able to pull that off. I mean, he did Han Solo great. But if he'd have stopped at that point, I'd have been like, okay, yeah. I'm cool. Like he didn't, they didn't yeah. ask him to do anything that, that required some obnoxious body double, yeah. you know? He sh- shares my dad's birthday. That's kind of cool. Oh, wow. How about yeah. that? D- different year, but same, same day. That's cool. Okay. I think we've covered Ghostbusters. Y- you want to talk for a couple minutes about Survivor Series? Yeah, let's do that. I mean, let's yeah. let's shoot the shit. Let's just kind of totally change direction. Talk some yeah. wrestling for a minute because we can, and this is our podcast. So why the fuck not? Yeah. So so yeah. So Survivor Series is probably of the big four uh, of the big four WWF WWE pay per views is by far my least favorite of the four. Of course. Uh, you know, Re- WrestleMania obviously I think is is probably the the big uh, no not probably is the biggest one. Royal Rumble is yeah. my favorite though uh, of. Oh, that's a close second. I think yeah. 
I think the Royal Rumble is more creative, but WrestleMania is the Super Bowl, right? So we have to love that one the most. But the Royal Rumble is is probably the best or the most intriguing in terms of the, the stakes and, and the types of matches and everything. Yeah. So um, so I went to I went to the Browns game on Sunday, this, this past Sunday, and I tailgated. And so I got home after the game and, you know, the kind of, you know, the way what happens when you come home from a tailgate, you're just like exhausted and you lay down and you're tired. And, and so I did that. And maybe and, a little buzzed up. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Tiny bit. And I saw some of your pictures. It, <laughs> it was fun. We had a good time. But Survivor Series was on that night. So I uh, I, I came in late. Uh, and I know you were you were watching at the beginning. So I still have not gone back to see the Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair oh, match. Dude. And, and, I know you, and I know there were reasons that I need to go watch that match. And there I, are uh, reasons that we yes. probably thought I shouldn't divulge on this podcast. But right. yes, it, well, it was the best match of the entire card, to be honest. Was it real? Okay. Yeah. Was it? I think okay. it was. To be fair, I did not see the very last match. That's the one match i did not okay. see i did not see roman reigns versus biggie which i heard was really good it was but, great yeah but the the becky charlotte match which i you know charlotte might be my favorite wrestler period right now i i just think she's phenomenal and everything she brings to the table is amazing and has a lot of uh grandeur to it uh that match was really really good sometimes i don't love becky but this match was really solid Okay. Yeah. I, I, again, I I can't really speak to it. I love Becky Lynch. I love everything about her character. I I think she's beautiful. (laughs) Watch this match. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Please watch this match. If anything, just because she, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Especially. uh, But, and I would agree though. I think, I think Charlotte Flair, you know, I think she's probably going to go down as the best. Absolutely, the best ever, right? Hands She's gonna down, be like her dad. The best yeah. women's the the best female wrestler ever. Yeah. One of the best wrestlers ever, to be honest. Like, take the female part out of it. Like, she's just she's fantastic. And I don't think anybody, you know, even now and probably as of years ago, holds a candle to what she's doing. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, she 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 really is kind of in in a league of her own. And you know, what one of the things that I was and I think this is probably part of the reason I don't really care for Survivor Series as a pay-per-view, especially now that they've, they've done this brand split. So they've got all these kind of champion versus champion matches, but the titles aren't on the line, which always kind of bums me out. I mean, oh, like, so you stupid. See, you, you see some good matches, but it's like, yeah, okay. So, you know, Becky's going to go back to Raw. No stakes. To, no stakes. And so... I don't know. It, 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 it kind of devolves a little bit into, okay, well, it's a, it's a raw match or it's a SmackDown and I don't watch raw anymore. And I don't watch SmackDown anymore because there's no stakes and there's so many fucking pay-per-views. There's one a month or whatever. And if I'm, if I'm able to watch one pay-per-view and all, that's a lot. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I think that's, I think that's probably part of the reason I will say. And again, it's like, so that, so the best match for you was, the match that I didn't see. And then the best match for me was the match that you, that you didn't see. Uh, That's cool. R- Roman Reigns and, and Big E was, was, was a really good match. And, and, and so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about not necessarily this match, but where we think they're going specifically with Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns for years and years was the baby face that everybody hated. Le- he, legit he, hated legit hated right he he was the 
you know, they were, they were trying to make him into the Hulk Hogan or the John Cena or, you know, insert babyface a here, right. That just everybody loved. And, and it just, it backfired. But what that did was when they finally turned him heel, it made him into a monster heel, just an absolute monster. And he's done a great job. And I, yeah. I will, I will be honest with you. I was a big fan of him as a face I'm a bigger fan of him now as a heel. So I, I, I have loved what he has done. Now, he has held that particular title for over 400 and almost 50 days or whatever it is. Yep. I'm of the opinion, and I want to I see what you think about this. I think they're headed towards Roman Reigns versus The Rock. Yes. I, I think that's where they're going. And I think they're going there not at this WrestleMania, I think they're going there next WrestleMania because that really? WrestleMania, it I think is going to be in Hollywood next WrestleMania. Where's uh, remind me? Where is this coming WrestleMania going to be? I think uh, next year uh, or this year in 2022, WrestleMania is going to be in Dallas. Next year, WrestleMania I believe is going to be in Hollywood. That's why I think they're going to push this off, and they're going to go. And and here's why I think this. So we know in quote unquote real life, the rock and Roman are actually in the same family. I think they're cousins or second cousins or, yeah, or what I, have you. They're cousins. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're, they're really playing up this Roman is the head of the table, the head of the family, the, the top dog, the, this, that, and the other thing I can totally foresee, you know, he holds on to this title for 500 days, 600 days, whatever it is. And rock comes out and says, Listen, motherfucker, you're not the head of the family. I'm the head of the family. I think that's where they're going. I absolutely agree with you. I don't think it's going to take that long, though. I don't think they, I mean, because if what you're saying, if I'm understanding what you're saying, he's going to hold on to the title for at least another year after this coming WrestleMania. And I don't see them doing that because I feel like people would get way too fucking bored with that. Like, I just don't see us being able to tolerate the same guy having the belt for the next year. Uh, that's where I think the, the major rub is. And I think he shows up at this WrestleMania, but I think Reigns beats him. I don't think that they let the rock take the title off of him because that, in my opinion, that would be a mistake. Like he's not a full-time wrestler. Why the fuck would you even bother doing that? I think that they set it up to make everybody in the world think that the rocks coming out of the clouds to, to, you know, to be the savior and to take the belt and to squash Roman and he doesn't do it. So I I'm not sure when he actually gives up the belt or who he gives it up to, but I don't even think it's the rock. I think it's the greatest swerve ever because they're, they're putting him through John Cena. They put him through all these Brock Lesnar, right? Like Brock Lesnar's not done yet. I think he's going to end up facing him at rumble probably. Because he came uh, back, but yeah. I could see a rematch with with Brock at this point. But I think that they bring the Rock back, but they they don't let him go over. I mean, it would make no sense. Why would you give Rock the belt? You know, I suppose the, I suppose the other thing you could do is you could have Rock come out and cost him the title. You, you could know, sure you could do that. You could do that too, right? And then and then you've got then you've got at least a couple months a couple month program with rock and Roman. And then you could turn around, you know, three, four, six months later and put Ro and put Roman back in the title picture with whoever holds the title at that point. 
Yeah, you could, I, I think. I, I wonder if whoever wins at that point would have the same validity because I think what they've done to this point is they've built up Roman to be one of the greatest heels of all time. And, yeah. and I think that that's pretty legit. So to have him lose in an unclean fashion would right. be a bit of a disservice, right? Like, because in theory, what we're saying is the longer we build up Roman, the more that we're going to be pushing the person who's going to get the belt, right? So it would do a little bit of a disservice to whoever gets the belt to have them win in an unclean fashion, right? Like it needs to be a clean win. And that person at that point should be the next greatest face superstar in the business because he's beaten the heel who has had the title for, I don't know, is he the longest running title holder at this point? I mean, if he's not, well, he will be by the time he loses it. Well, I, yeah, I, I, so I would agree with that. And, and here's where I'm going to kind of, here's where being a wrestling fan for 30 some years actually, I think might work against me. I would agree with everything you just said, except for if you go back and you think about the greatest face champion of all time, Hogan. It was Hulk Hogan. It was Hulk of course. Hogan, right? Sure. And and he held that title for over three years, I think, at one point. Yeah. And then they and then they took him off. They took the title off him with two Dave Hebners, and it was like a throwaway. That's how they got the title off him. That's how he lost that title. Yeah, I, I think at that point they were trying to mix things up a little bit. That's how Savage yeah. got the title and kept it for like a year, and then they decided, nope, Hogan's not done yet, and they gave it back to him. And they they kind of and then the warrior took it off of him and well no so the, so so they so they took it off him the two Dave Hebner thing was with Andre the Giant right before Andre WrestleMania four was that after four no it was, was before three? four it was after three so Hogan had already beat Andre at the Silverdome and then the two Dave Hebner thing happened right here in Indianapolis at a Saturday night's main event and then there was Tuesday in Texas. And, and that's what created, no. no, no, no. Tuesday, Texas was the uh, undertaker. That was taker. That was taker. Uh, Sorry, yeah. That's what created the tournament at WrestleMania four, because they, you know, they basically created this storyline where it's like, well, we don't know who the, ch okay. So we're stripping Andre the title. We don't, you know, Hogan got beat, but Andre doesn't deserve it. So we don't know who gets it. So we create this tournament at WrestleMania four and that's how okay. Savage gets the belt. And then Savage turns heel eventually, and that's how Hogan gets it back okay. at WrestleMania right. 5. Okay. So I, I see what you're saying, because Hogan did have it for a long time in the 80s, but I think things have changed, and I don't think that they're going to keep the title on somebody for that long unless they're going to give it to the next anointed person. See, the it, problem is there, there maybe, isn't that person. That's the problem. Right. And I feel like maybe they're just buying their time. They're waiting for whoever that is. And I got to be honest, I don't know who it is. Like, I don't know either. It, I don't. I don't yeah. think that person is there right now. It's <laughs> Riddle. <laughs> I don't know who it is. Right, like <laughs> Riddle. Maybe that's where they give Cena his seventeenth title. I, It'll you know, silly, I would love to but... see that, but they already they already put him in front it's, of Reigns. Yeah. So what good yeah. would that do? Like I don't know. Like I think they're gonna have to. They're put. They're kind of painting themselves in a corner because whoever yeah. beats Reigns has to be the fucking next big the, thing. The man. It yeah. can't be Cena because Cena's he's a he's the rock. He's a he looks like Ernest at this point. Well, he yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he grows hair in a very awkward way. That's that's for sure. He uh, but he's not, you know, he's not a full-time wrestler and he never will be again. And that's fine. 
you can't give him that belt in that way, but you got to find the next guy. And I don't know if they know who that is yet. Yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. All right. Well, Hey, I, uh, we, we have rambled on here, what an hour, hour and a half, something like that. Should we chat about some ghostbusters? We did some movies. We did some, uh, we did some wrestling. What else? We'll we'll, We'll call this our potpourri. Uh, podcast right this is a little bit of everything a little mix of all kinds of things this is one of the ones that we had a very very small agenda coming into and we just managed to bullshit for for about an hour and a half on kind of goofy stuff the whole time absolutely well hey uh, i i guess yeah calling it the potpourri is very appropriate the the night before thanksgiving so i I hope you have a wonderful holiday uh, tomorrow with your friends and your family Thank you, everybody who is listening, for hanging out with us for a while this evening. This has been the 411 from 406. My name is Chewy. I've been joined once again by Mr. Pip. Have a good evening, brother. I love you. Love you more. Happy holidays to everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will we will talk to you soon. And if, I promise it will be more. It will be sooner than a month <laughs> in between the last episode. Absolutely. All right. Have a good evening, folks. Bye.